Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Ilman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com, read his latest F1 blog at KimIlman.com or follow him on Instagram at KimIlman. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about what's happened at the French GP over the weekend. How are you doing today, Kim? I'm in paradise here in the south of France. I'm standing in Bandol on a balcony of an apartment that I've rented and I look out over the Mediterranean Sea, there's not a ripple on it. The sun's just rising and uh, I feel charmed to be in such a magnificent spot. So how was your time in France in general then, and, and in particular the traffic? I've got to tell you, we expected um, dramas because last year sometimes uh, it might take four to six hours to get to or from the track. It was absolutely blemish free. We have the media lane which allows us to get up and back quickly, but we still expected dramas. Nothing. And I think the spectators had brilliant runs as well. So full marks to the organisers for looking at what they'd done wrong last year and fixing every single thing. I think, too, it was probably helped by the fact that crowd numbers were down a little bit, but that certainly wasn't um, the one and only factor involved. So it was, it was a great result, and I think next year ticket sales will be up because people will hear that, hey, they've solved the problems. Well, hopefully uh, the increased ticket sales don't mean problems again. <laughs> no, well, that's what I thought. Maybe it's an up-and-down thing, but no, they, they did the right thing, solved the problem. So it was an exciting crowd of people then at this GP? There were gaps in the grandstand on race day and the race was dull, uh, if maybe even boring, except for the last lap where there was some chance that Charles might overtake um, Valtteri. But otherwise, no, it was a dull race. A good weekend, a good four days, but you know, I, I would not like to have been a spectator sitting at home watching that. Well, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened over the weekend and, and some photos from your Instagram. For example, last week you talked about that you had you know, some inside info that there would be new boots for Daniel, but it turns out they were for Nico instead. Yeah, and I promoted it and uh, felt like a bit of a dill because <laughs> I, I contacted his trainer, Dan, Dan's trainer, and said, can I get a picture of those boots? No, uh, Nico got them this race. So I contacted his trainer and PR guy and got some shots of that. They were an interesting design and he wore them. Did pretty well too, I think. Nico, would he finish? Seventh, eighth, something like that. Yeah. They were to celebrate 40 years since their win their last time, was it? Yeah, uh, you'd have to look at my post. I've since forgotten that, but um, they, they were colourful and uh, very lightweight. I picked them up and thought, oh, and I've actually done a bit of car racing, but my boots were never that light. These things are uh, maybe twice the weight of a chocolate bar, I thought. Well, I guess suppose they have to be light for the race. Everything's light. Yep, everything's light in F1. They, uh, they take out as much weight as possible. Keeping on the Renault talk, Daniel Ricciardo often doesn't usually do a track walk, but it seems like he was out doing a uh, track bike this time. Yeah. Is this maybe because the French track is like a recent reintroduction? Well, it was the first time back last year, and yeah. uh, I did notice him heading out with a bicycle, and then I went out to a corner and took some pics of him coming around. Uh, yeah, it is odd that he does uh, a track walk. Nico does a track ride occasionally. So uh, both of them tend to, tend to like bikes. And somebody actually raised a question on a photo I posted saying, oh, he's got a necklace on. And it always amazes me that people have such attention to detail. So I asked him about that yesterday and he said a mate gave it to him. Uh, it didn't have anything on it. It didn't have any charms or anything. It was just a, a simple necklace, but he had it on again yesterday. Well, if we dive into your Instagram, there's, uh, there's a lot of variety from this GP. And there's a photo that I personally like of Kvyat with a guitar. I didn't know he played. And uh, a lot of the photographers didn't know he played either, but he walked in on Thursday with it. And I uh, just quickly said, what's the story? And he said, I use it to relax between sessions. Uh, can play, apparently. In fact, I um, 
you'll probably ask a little bit later about his girlfriend who's pregnant and expecting a child about the time of the Silverstone Grand Prix, Kelly Piquet, daughter of Nelson Piquet. Mm. Well, I got chatting with her again. I met her in Monaco very briefly. It was introduced by Nico's girlfriend. And then I stopped and had a chat with her last race. And then earlier on Thursday, I had a quick chat with her. And then on race day, I got some lovely pictures of her walking towards me. And then she looked at him and said, look, the lighting's a bit harsh. How about we do some stuff under the awning here where it's <laughs> even light? And I thought, wow, she knows a bit about this. This is great. So she posed for a few more pictures. I put that up. And um, yeah, so she, she tends to do, in fact, all of the, the drivers, wives and partners do very well on Instagram. People, people like that behind the mm. scenes stuff. And the more I talk to them, the more I learn about what it's like to be going out with one of these guys. Yeah, the photos were like really great. She looked, she was absolutely glowing and there was a lot of great comments from people saying how beautiful she looked. Yeah, who doesn't love a pregnant woman? So I believe that uh, Lawrence Stroll's mega yacht was parked in front of your accommodation over the weekend. Yes, I think it rolled up on Thursday and it is, it's a monster. Glorious looking piece of kit, just probably 300 metres off the coast in front of this apartment. And the helicopter would go to and from the track each day and take Lawrence. I initially thought that Lance was also staying on the boat, but uh, I had a quick word with him when he came in on Saturday morning, I think. I asked him whether he's staying in the boat, and he said no. Turns out they were all staying. Well, no, not all, because I know Lewis and Seb had motorhomes. Uh, but most of the drivers were staying at the hotel, which is right next to the track, to beat the traffic. But as we agreed, there was no traffic. It was 22 minutes from Bandol up to the track, which last year could have been three, four hours. Since the Canadian GP, it also seems that Sebastian Vettel got married to his partner. Yeah, and, and look, I'll, I'll be honest and say that I picked that up off somebody else's social media account, but when he came in the, the next day after I'd read that story, I made sure I got a tight shot of his hand with the ring on it. Um, but apparently it was done in his hometown to his longtime partner, Hannah. Yes. And who I've never, ever seen at a track. And... Um, He's got two children as well, never seen them, whereas most of the other drivers, you get to see their partners at some point. Let's talk about Lando Norris for a little bit, because there's a few great moments for him over the weekend. There's a picture of him under a flag during the national anthem that you took. How did this photo go down? It's interesting you mention this, because I wouldn't normally put a photo of Lando up unless it was something newsworthy or topical, because I don't tend to have many of his followers, I thought, following me. But uh, the first picture I took of him was when he was in the paddock and he was walking towards his uh, team boss Zach Brown and one of the photographers that walking in front of me just suddenly made a, a, a jump and he went to the side and he obviously grabbed the camera I thought what's happening here oh okay right Lando and Zach are coming together because Lando had just qualified fifth yeah. which is a fair effort for McLaren who last year were um, a basket case so I, I picked up one camera with my right hand it was a wide angle lens I think and um, just managed to get one snap or two snaps and it was a, no three or four actually because I put up three picks and uh, I thought, oh, well, maybe this will go all right because there's some showing emotion and um, yeah, it went really well. And then the next day, uh, which was yesterday, obviously race day, I was standing waiting for the drivers to come up and I was standing in the very row behind where they stand. He, he jumped in front of me, stood underneath the flag because it was warm and then uh, turned around and smiled at me and I got this lovely shot and once again, it did really well. So I think I'm a Lando convert. How do you end up in a position like that where you can get so close with the drivers, you know, in a pivotal time like the National Anthem? Well, you've got to leave the 
uh, rest of the grid a little bit earlier than normal and what go up there and wait for them because once they're there all the other photographers uh, come running up and it becomes a real bun fight but you know, if you get there early and invest five or six minutes waiting for them to come they'll come and stand in front of you and they are yeah you know, i could i could push them <laughs> that's that's how close they are you can touch them you can uh, get these super close-up shots and i always look high and low when i'm standing there looking for anything interesting has he got a ring on is he holding something in his hand um are they talking to the grid kids in front so it's a great opportunity last episode you were talking about the backdrop of airplanes nearby the track how are they for this year's photos yeah the best day to do that is on race day because all the big money flies in on that day and they park them on the apron Mm. and at the entrance to turn two we shoot the cars going away from us and in the background are these lovely lear jets and even larger corporate jets so that that's a great shot um, it worked better on some cars than others. It doesn't work with the Mercedes because from behind there's, there's not much to look at. There's not much uh, contrast. But something like a Ferrari uh, or anything with a logo on the back wing tends to stand out. So the Red Bull looks good, the BWT, not so much the Jack and Jones of the Haas. But I, I, like, I like that shot and I've found it relatively easy to shoot too. Kimi Raikkonen, you usually aim for a couple of photos of him over the weekend. How did that go this time? I like to wait for Kimmy to come out to the session. That's one place you know that you'll get a shot of him and he will be in his race suit, which is a better shot than just in a T-shirt or um, in a team shirt. So I stood between the motorhomes where these guys walk through and I've got this beautiful shot on Friday of uh, him walking through in a white suit, white um, background, really loved it. And then I went back the next day and Unfortunately, somebody was walking ahead of him and he had he was just behind, so I knew they'd be um, crowding the shot. But he just ran straight past them, pushed them one side and ran straight past them. So I got not quite as good a shot, but um, certainly good enough for me. And I, he is very popular, uh, you know, with almost everybody. Nobody dislikes Kimmy. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. So for those who aren't aware, France has a ban on advertising of alcohol and substances, meaning some F1 sponsors need to be covered up. An example is over Kimi Raikkonen, the singer beer is covered. How does this like affect photos? You know, I, I, I knew that there are some races on the calendar where you can't advertise alcohol, and I certainly knew that that was the case in Bahrain. And instead of them saying, now it's time for the champagne on the podium, they say, now it's time for the celebration. But uh, I, I did notice, it was on Giovinazzi's uh, undershirt, that there was a piece of white gaffer tape just stuck across there. Mm. And I asked his um, media guy, what does that cover? And he said, um, sing a beer, you can't advertise alcohol or cigarettes here. And I said, oh, okay. But then when you look at the car... Very clearly, there's two Singer Beer logos left and right of his head on the car. So I, I don't know. I, I haven't been able to get clarification as to why it has to be covered up on clothing, but can still be visible on the car. Do you think it was maybe an oversight on the car? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I know that uh, Williams, when they were sponsored by Martini, they'd have to take all that livery off. And that, that's, a, that's a huge job because that their whole car was martini based yeah if we talk about daniel now he's always tossing those bottles he's still going at this race as well yeah i don't know what that is but he, he gets in a good mood and he'll walk down the paddock and he'll have a soft drink bottle in his head no, not a soft drink bottle sorry a water bottle in his hand and uh he'll just toss it up in the air 10 meters 20 meters and, and catch it again 
maybe it's just to keep him sharp, I don't know. But I also took some nice pics of him yesterday morning when he came into the track. I could see him go across to this little um, pastry booth that they set up. And if I can just talk about that for a second, that was amazing food. They would bake every day and they would put this fresh pastries, uh, breads, out on show for everyone. But the thing that stood out, they had two pats of butter that were the size of a small loaf of bread each. <laughs> and they would just take butter off this pat of butter and spread it on the bread, put jam on it, and uh, offer it up to us. So anyway, Daniel saw this, and he went over, and he stopped, because he was in six hours before the start of the race, and normally this thing's only um, operating for the first few hours of the day, so perhaps he hadn't seen it prior. Okay. But he stood there, and he looked at the pastries involved, and he was weighing up his decision, so I jumped behind the counter, where I wouldn't normally be, to get some pics of him doing that. But in the end, he had nothing. He did not succumb to the guilty pleasures of the pastries. <laughs> a stronger man than most of us. Yeah, uh, because it was very popular with all the freeloaders. Now, I believe you also noticed something about his cap that you hadn't noticed before. Yeah, I'd actually taken photos of the back of his head before, but not in great detail. And uh, I was standing, uh, I think, before FP3 on the Saturday morning, and I had a long lens, and uh, he turned his back to me. And I took the shot of the back of his head, and there was a little Australian flag that sits in the gap between where the, the hat uh, has a clasp and just above that there's a little hole. And I thought, no, I've not seen that before. And I went back and looked at my last pics and I saw one from about uh, four months ago where it was visible. And then last year I looked at a few pics from Red Bull and it wasn't. So that's a new thing. And I believe from um, somebody on my Instagram account mentioned that, yes, uh, it is on his cap too. This guy had bought a cap, a, a genuine Renault cap, mm. and it was uh, on the back of the number three there too. So it's kind of a, a Daniel Ricciardo signature Renault thing. Yeah, it's a feature. Were there any notable celebrities at the French GP? Not not one. <laughs> not one that I knew of. Uh, oh, well, there's John Eric Verne. He's a, a Formula E racer. And I'll be honest, somebody had to point him out to me. Uh, lots of local celebrities, but no one that uh, I would certainly know. No big American names. No, it was a very quiet event for that. And whether or not there are any celebrities at, at Austria, I'm not sure. But they're expecting very hot weather for Austria next week or this week, our time. And uh, we might be sweating a little bit. The Austrian GP is coming up next. So what are you looking forward to for that? Uh, I do like Austria. I like the countryside. I'm staying uh, in Graz, which is about an hour from the track. And I like this track because it's Red Bull owned and it's really well set up, beautiful media center, lovely food. They've got a canteen that serves three meals a day. So effectively, you don't even have to worry about eating back at your hotel. But uh, it's um, a short flight from Nice to Vienna and then a couple of hours by road. Uh, the track has got a lot of grass around it. There are some signature shots like the, the red and white flag of the Austrian, the red and white of the Austrian flag shot, and which is what last turn is a beautiful shot. And if we do that shot, which I certainly will, I need to do it early in the day. So whatever one of the first sessions is, because later in the day and certainly at the end of the race, there's all this black marbled rubber on there and it looks nowhere near as good as when it's pristinely been cleaned. So that's a signature shot. Uh, it's set in the countryside in a place called Spielberg. In the mountains, lots of people camp out there. There's not too many. Well, in fact, the, the nearest large town is Graz, an hour away. Everything else is very small. Lots of bread and bed and breakfasts, but a really enjoyable place to be 
Although, as I said before, I'm not sure what it's going to be like if it's going to be stinking hot. Someone said it's going to be 40 degrees, but no, I don't think it's going to be that warm. But there is the threat of thunderstorms, and that could be interesting both uh, photographically and as a challenge for getting around the track. Well, we look forward to seeing what you can create from that GP. Yes, and uh, I'll have my work cut out for me, I'm sure. But uh, it's lovely to see lots of comments via Instagram, and I try to get to most of them. And uh, I urge everybody um, to ask your questions. And if you want to ask them in person, and you're going to be at the Monza race, the Italian GP, I'm having a function there on the Saturday night at a local restaurant not too far from the track, La Paiana. And uh, it'll be advertised this week on the Instagram page. But it's, it's a three-course meal with drinks. It's um, an opportunity to talk a little bit about what it's like to be working in this amazing sport. And everybody that comes gets uh, an A3 print as part of your ticket package. It's only 145 euros, and you'd pay that for a good meal anyway. So come on down. Be, uh, be a part of it. It's only an intimate dinner too. There's only 12 guests. So yes. you'll get to ask lots of questions. And, um, yeah, I'll show a few photos and talk about how I managed to get these uh, in the can. I think it'll be an interesting night for young and old. It'd be like getting your very own podcast episode with yourself, Kim. Yes. Hopefully that's seen as a positive to some. If you do want to inquire about that, it's info at kimelman.com or you can book on the blog. But that's it for this episode. Thank you very much, Kim. It's a pleasure and I'm going to go and enjoy my two days off before I um, have to get back into work mode again on Wednesday afternoon. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com or KimElman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimElman. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPics.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now.